We uh, welcome you to this 372nd episode of Unscripted, and I'm going to hand the microphone right over to the executive producer, Mr. Fluke, as we have some breaking news here on this Saturday afternoon. Chris? Yes, my favorite NFL team growing up because of their great helmets. Bengals receiver A.J. Green carted off during practice with a potential lower leg injury, and we might have a new... Uh, competitor with the Miami Dolphins for worst team in the league because this Bengals team right as soon as they got rid of Marvin Lewis was going to be bad okay Mm. I know I mean like dealing with the ownership there is just uh for that Zach Taylor guy he doesn't know what he's getting himself into (laughs) he really doesn't (laughs) and I mean their O-line was already going to be terrible Clint Bowling retired due to blood clots a couple weeks ago and Josiah Williams their first round pick uh, is out for the year and so they've got what Cordy Glenn and that's it on the O-line and he'll get hurt a couple games in like he always does so yeah the lots of reports coming out now just from the last hour here uh AJ ACL? Green uh well they don't know AJ oh. Green, he was participating in a seven on seven drill came down awkwardly it's not the foot that gave him trouble last year it's his lower left leg but he was carted off he was holding his head in his hands uh clearly very very upset and he you can tell he thinks it's a really really bad thing through his mouthpiece knew something was wrong and i mean without him what do they got they just re-signed tyler boyd who is an emerging receiver don't get right don't get me wrong tyler eifert you want to talk about a guy that's guaranteed to get hurt oh yeah even more sure. than the only guy in the he league gets hurt that star spangled banner oh the, the only guy that's more likely to get hurt in the league than cordy glenn is tyler eifert <laughs> they play on the same team i know and they <laughs> traded they traded tyler croft well even halfway through last year they just all these guys started getting hurt and they had no chance Dalton is nothing special, and he won't have the luxury of an underrated O-line that he's had all this time. Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard, great running backs, but, I mean, they need some help, either some receivers to draw downfield or an O-line or something. And uh, what's his name? Uh, The little guy, John Ross. He's been terrible. They've got Geno Atkins on defense, I guess, but their defense isn't going to be anything special. This is going to be a really, really, really can bad you, team with A.J. Green, never mind without. You can almost see a battle for the number one draft pick already between Miami and Cincinnati. Well, both teams should, because the projected number one overall pick is, however you say his name, Tua Tegavailoa or whatever. Right, from Alabama. Yeah, right. so the, the quarterback, which I'm not sure if that's, you know, who should I, be. I, but. I, you know what, that this is going to be a big year for that young man. But I think that could be more system than player. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's Alabama, right? I mean, you never know which guys coming out of Alabama are going to be a product of the system or actually really good, right? Or some hybrid of the two. And so it's tough to know. But even without Tua, the 2020 draft class, I've been hearing about this class for years, about how stacked it is at the quarterback position. There is so much quarterbacking talent this year. I've seen a lot of analysts, or at least the ones I really like, say that, you know, even last year's draft and everything, like, why not wait until the 2020 draft? You're going to have all these guys like Justin Herbert out of Oregon and -hmm. and whoever else. There's a bunch of them, apparently, and it's supposed to be just a great draft. uh, Shea Patterson out of Michigan. You'll have the kid out of Alabama. You'll have the former kid out of Alabama, Jalen Hurts, who's now at Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. And after a year under... uh, the guy at Oklahoma that has has coached the last two Heisman Lincoln trophies. Riley? Lincoln Riley, very good. After a year with Lincoln Riley, how much better will he be? Who knows? I mean, you know. Yeah, so there'll be um, enough quarterback talent for the Dolphins and the Bengals and everybody who's going to be at the top of that draft class. So uh, yeah, I think we're going to see replacements okay. for all those guys. Here's what I've wanted to ask you. Okay. <clears throat> just, just came to me. Ding! Light bulb. Yep. Mm. You know the the Packers drafted 
and Aaron Rodgers fell to them, as we all know, in 2005, fell to them at 24. He was expected to be either either he or Alex Smith at one in the year 2005. With all this quarterback talent coming up, do the Packers draft their quarterback of the future next year? (laughs) Wow. Because remember, you remember how, how freaking mad Hillbilly Brett Favre got. I mean, you weren't even a Packer fan then, and I didn't know you, but I can tell you, Brett Favre was hot when they drafted Aaron Rodgers, and that first year was hell for Aaron Rodgers sitting on a bench, his first of three years in Green Bay. I, I do remember that. I but remember do, feeling bad I, for Aaron. But but do the Packers go with all that talent coming up next year, and the Packers were hoping, knock on, I think this is wood, hoping that the Packers have as good as years. We're all hoping that they do with all the free agent, free agent acquisitions and everything, that they're going to be lower on the – they won't be – I'm confident in telling you that they won't be picking at 12 next April if everything goes right and number 12 stays healthy. But do the Packers go ahead and if if somehow uh, an A-Bear comes trickling down to number 22 or 23, 24, 31, um, do the Packers find Aaron Rodgers' replacement? Because that's the way it's going to happen in Green Bay. I believe anyway. I I, th- I don't think they will. I think what they have to do is I think they're going to look at the Patriots and Tom Brady. I really think they're really? going to look at I think they're going to look at And look, those guys tried that a few times. They had Jimmy Garoppolo. Right, right, right. And, you know, you can make the case they shouldn't have traded Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he'd sure look good waiting for who knows when Brady's going to tuck her out here. But, I mean, with today's advanced nutrition and yeah. training and everything like that, you know, so Brady's turning I, forty-two. What's Aaron? Thirty-four or thirty-five? He'll be th- he'll be thirty-six this he'll be thirty-six this December. Okay, so he's a good. Six, so he's thirty-five and a half years. Okay, so he's six years younger than Brady. Correct. Oh yeah. I mean, if you know you're going to get I'm an extra six years out of if, if uh, you're Rogers. sitting there and you're in the situation that Ted Teddy Thompson was years ago, and you have Aaron Rodgers trickle down to you at twenty-four, not expecting him to get past maybe the top five. And all of a sudden, he's in your lap at 24. They did the same thing to Aaron or to, to Brett Favre, who had given them 16 years. And all of a sudden, I don't know. It's something because look, you've addressed the quarter. Excuse me, you've addressed the cornerback situation mm-hmm. in your draft the last couple of years. You've obviously now addressed your outside linebacker with Rashawn Gary this year, and then of course the two free eight free agent acquisitions in the Smith brothers, not related, of course, but that's what they're being called now because it's easier to say Smith brothers than Zadaria Smith and Preston Smith all the damn time. Um, I mean, you can always draft another wide receiver in Green Bay. You could probably look to draft another right tackle next year in Green Bay because Balaga will not be with the Packers after this season. He's too expensive and hurt all the time. So, you have a lot of the big item, the big ticket items checked off your list. That's all I'm saying. It's it's fun to fun to think about it because it's the same. It's actually a year later than when the Packers ended up t- taking uh, Rodgers in 2005 when Favre was still on the roster and still thought he was going to be there for years and years and years. Amen. But uh, that'll be interesting to see. I, mean, I just I don't think they can do that, and I think that. 
Aaron Rodgers is a fairly well. I mean, I'm sure Brett Favre was temperamental too, but Tep- oh, he's, he was a oh yeah, he was temperamental. Yeah, yeah. So I don't see the reason for it quite yet. I really don't. I mean, you want? I understand they can look at it and say, oh well, it worked because we had Aaron Rodgers hold a clipboard for three or four years, and so look how he turned out great. But do you really want to do that again? Like, uh, I don't know if you should need like what is it, three or four full seasons when he was sitting there with the clipboard? He was there for three years, yeah. That's a long for, time for oh, a guy no question, but remember, before that. Now, remember, he left He left, uh, He left. left Cal after his junior season. So he left one year early. He had played three years of college football, one at Butte Community College and then one or two at the University of California before he made himself, he declared himself eligible for the 2005 NFL draft. So, but he had three years of of total time of pine time behind Brett Favre. Did not got drafted in two thousand five. Did not take first snap as the starting quarterback of the Packers until two thousand eight. So, um, I don't know. I, I just I th- it just came to my head. I said this is something I got to ask Chris because I mean that's going to be something Packer fans, especially the lunatics out there like me, will be wondering about that, especially. Especially if if Rodgers has another un Rodgers like season, I think it'll be fine. I was checking today. Actually, he was apparently he just looked fantastic today. He he dropped a pass right in the bucket. You know, he put it right on the spot. Devontae Adams isn't even out of his isn't even breaking yet. Right, and the ball's right where it's well, supposed I remind, to be. Well, I remind perfect, and know? I remind you this. This just came to my mind again. Boom! I'm just um, it was in twenty. It was after, excuse me, it was after the 2011 season when he had his first MVP, when he was outstanding and the Packers were 15 and 1, and they were, and uh, he, he was just had an unbelievable year. But that was the year that the Denver Broncos supposedly internally were talking about sending five number ones to Green Bay for Aaron Rodgers. And you see what's happening in basketball now with seven number ones going to the Los Angeles Clippers for Kawhi Leonard to get Paul George and Kawhi Leonard together and all these, you know, they're, they're sacrificing the future, you know, for the present and all this other stuff. But um, you wouldn't do that deal now, but let's say Aaron Rodgers does not have a great 2019, not up to his par at least. And the and the Packers struggle again and miss the playoffs for a third year in a row. Would you want to potentially offer Aaron Rodgers for three number ones? Just three number ones, and he'd still only be thirty six years old, so he'd be fine for Denver. Denver take him in a New York minute, get three number ones, and start a rebuilding process because, you know, this is a big year in Green Bay. And I, I'm not understating that enough. The Packers, I mean, when they had to come out and disclose that they're, they had only made 765000 or whatever it was this year because they haven't made the playoffs two years in a row and they dipped into free agency and their cash reserves are running low and yada, 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 yada. Three years in a row of no playoffs in Green Bay after making it eight years in a row is, is going to signify that the rebuild isn't over and Gutekunst needs to go back to work. I think they're committed to Rodgers for a few years, including the cast of characters they put around him. They're so solid now, suddenly, up and down the roster, which seems to have come out of nowhere. I feel like just yesterday we were talking about how they uh, were really weak and just relying on Rodgers. Now they're just, every area you look at, they're pretty solid. I mean, what are they missing? A kicker turner? Like, I mean, like, they're they're really, really solid. And I think they're committed to Rodgers for a few years, and I don't think you can give that up too easily. Also, I think certain franchises 
have taught their fans to expect certain things. And I think the Green Bay Packers have said, you know what, you can expect a top-notch, world-class quarterback from us if you're going to be a fan of this team, same as the Indianapolis Colts have done. Both teams have back-to-back already epic, legendary quarterbacks. And I think that's what they expect. If you're a Bears fan, you expect a good defense. You just yeah. do, right? You just do. And and I think and that Trubisky's that, icing on the cake if he pans out. Yeah. So I think that that's what you're teaching your fans. <clears throat> and I think that the Packers can't even consider getting rid of Rodgers unless they have a really, really, really viable replacement for him. Oh, yeah. And it would have to even be more than just Tua or some top big shot, you know, draft pick. Have to be someone who's shown a little bit at the big league level. And uh, I, I, it's a fun thing to talk about, but I don't think they're even going to dare to do anything like that for a few more years. If you want, go out and get a serious veteran backup for wh- if and when Rodgers does get hurt. Get an actual guy, not a friggin' Deshaun Kaiser or Brett Hundley. Get an actual proper NFL caliber backup quarterback to play behind him. You want to do something? Do that. Don't uh, don't hotshot the future and piss off Aaron Rodgers when he's already not always the happiest camper anyway. Did you hear that, Brian Gutekunst? That's very wise analysis right there about what you should be doing in regard to your quarterback situation in Green Bay. If you have another injury to Aaron Rodgers and you have to long-term go to Deshaun Kaiser or Tim Boyle, um, somebody's going to lose their job. I'm telling you right now. Deshaun Kaiser is totally useless. He's absolutely useless. I've said that from day one. If you don't know who Tim Boyle is... He's our third-string quarterback, and there's a lot of people in Titletown that believe he should be the backup before Deshaun Kaiser, and I am one of them. I'm one of them, and I've never even—I don't I, even know I've, Tim and Boyle. And I've never seen this guy play. And I know that he's better than. Deshaun and I've never Kaiser. seen this guy play. Um, NBA news. I got a kick out of this. You know, if you've listened to any of the previously produced 371 episodes of Unscripted, that I am not a fan of one Carmelo Anthony. If he never graces an NBA floor again, it wouldn't bother me one iota. He forced his trade once out of Denver, and I guess everybody's, I mean, you've seen Anthony Davis do it recently. You've basically seen Kawhi Leonard just do it. You've seen Paul George just do it to the Oklahoma City Thunder. You've seen, uh, seen, uh, what's his face, numb nuts. Russell Westbrook do it to the Oklahoma City Thunder once once the... uh, LA LA Clippers had gotten a hold of Paul George. NBA news the last couple of weeks have not been out of any major signings or anybody going anywhere this week, per se. But all the news out of the NBA has been all these guys that have declined invitations to Team USA for the upcoming FIBA World Cup to concentrate on getting ready to play for their new teams. Paul George has declined to play. Uh, A lot of them have declined to play. As if we really needed to know this. As if somebody needed to alert us. (laughs) They sure as hell didn't need to alert me, I can tell you that. But Team USA took it out of the kindness of their heart on Saturday morning to tell us that Team USA won't consider forward Carmelo Anthony for the team. Gee, I wonder why. You want to win the fucking thing, don't you? Why would you invite Carmelo Anthony? Our Carmelo Anthony can't launch on with a big three team. And Team USA feels it needs to let us know that they won't be inviting the former Syracuse star to the uh, Team USA FIBA World Cup tryouts. <laughs> Gee, thank you very much. I wonder, whoever the guy is leading Team USA, I want to send him a thank you card 
for making sure that we got the notice, we got the memo that Carmelo Anthony will not be invited to play for Team USA, Team USA in the FIBA World Cup. I mean, I am so happy to know that that Lala's husband won't have to worry about trying out for Team USA. Also, on the other end of hilarity, but still staying in the NBA, I got a big kick out of this. These two formed a partnership at the Hippin for 19 years. Coach and player. Greg Popovich, coach, Tim Duncan, star player in San Antonio for 19 years. San Antonio has lost two assistant coaches this year. This year, excuse me. They lost James Borey something. He's now the coach in Charlotte last year. They lost two more assistants this year. So the San Antonio Spurs have had to restock their bench a little bit. Becky Harmon or Hammond, excuse me, is still there. But the newest assistant coach down in the Alamo City happens to be Tim Duncan. I'm wondering how, I mean, they formed one of the best ever player-coach relationships in team sports history, but how will Greg Popovich work with his newest assistant coach (laughs) and former uh, all-pro, all-world center, Tim Duncan is now going to be an assistant coach. I have a comment on that, but I'd like to hear if you have a comment on the newest assistant coach hire for the San Antonio Spurs. Well, Greg Popovich had, you know, a classy comment that went, I don't have it in front of you, but something like, you know, like, oh, I was Tim Duncan's assistant for all those years, so now he gets to be mine or whatever. It's like, oh, that's nice, Greg. But anyway, uh, yeah, Tim Duncan, I mean, he did so well. I've never been able to quite figure him out because he's so quiet. It just feels like, like, is he really cerebral or is he just quiet? And so there's no one that The Onion has made more fun of than Tim Duncan. They, they have literally dozens and dozens of stories. They came out with another one the other day. It said when he was hired for that, it said, uh, Tim Duncan uh, maps out Spurs genealogy after being hired as team archivist and all this. And I they, they just love just making any Tim Duncan story about how cerebral and smart he is. Like they Like he's some sort of quiet genius. You know, they have the one where... Then you had the one story where he's helping his wife divorce lawyer and giving him like law tips and stuff and how (laughs) how to do better against him. And it's just ridiculous. So they love making fun of Tim Duncan. And uh, I think that's nice. I don't have a clue how he's going to do as an assistant. I have no idea. You know, I, 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 some of the best coaches in professional sports, uh, catchers make great managers in baseball. Um, goalies as good goalies analysts. make good analysts in, in National Hockey League broadcasts. Um, third line guys seem to make better coaches than superstars in the National Hockey Quarterbacks League. As Quarterbacks are broad, as broadcasters. We have a lot of personifications of guys that have done well in certain roles. Tim Duncan was a superstar at the highest level for 19 years, won five championships. Well, Four championships. The fifth one was before him, I believe. The first one under David Robinson was singular. Then I think I'm right, but I could be wrong. Five championships as an organization the Spurs have enjoyed. But what I'm getting at is Magic Johnson was terrible as a head coach. The players wouldn't listen to him. He didn't, he couldn't, he couldn't relate to them because he had played at one level. And obviously, most of the guys that he was coaching when during his big 16 game stint as a head coach of the LA Lakers, he couldn't have figured out the difference between an X and an O. He couldn't get out of there fast enough. But then you got Larry Bird, who was obviously an equal 
to Magic Johnson. And Larry Bird was a very successful coach for a number of years with the Indiana Pacers. And he was also a very good general manager. And for a while, he was the president of the Indiana Pacers organization. So I guess it goes down to the basic adage of different strokes for different folks. It'll be interesting to see how Tim Duncan does this. I think that if the San Antonio Spurs have a collective brain in their heads in regard to the the, the individual players, that if Tim Duncan is telling you something, you better goddamn listen to it because you're going to learn something you'd like to think. But I think one of the things that Tim Duncan's going to have a problem at, because again, as him playing at the highest level, Olympic gold, NBA champion, yada, 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 um, is that the Spurs aren't as good as they used to be. And the Spurs, yes, they've made the playoff 22 successive years. Last year was the first time in 20, I believe the number was 19 or 20, that they didn't win 50 games in a season, but they still qualified for the playoffs for the 22nd year in a row. But you can see what I'm getting at here, folks. The Spurs are getting worse. Teams are getting better in the West. You're hearing about the Lakers. You're hearing about the Clippers more specifically, but Denver's a good team. Portland's a good team. Golden State's still going to be a good team because they still have Stephon Curry and they still have Draymond Green. I think that Tim Duncan, if the team fails, Tim Duncan is going to fail because he is not used to dealing with bad Spurs basketball. That's just my feeling. Yeah, and I'm not sure that he could be forceful enough when he's there you go. It's a good thing too. Yeah. You know, teaching and doing his opinion. I feel like he's used to kind of sitting back and watching it happen, and I don't really see him getting assertive enough. And I could be way off on that because I have a hard time reading him, but that's just what I get. So I, I'm not sure that it's a great thing. It could be good, but I, I think you know he's not going to come close to Becky Hammond when it comes to asserting like, "Hey, do it this way and and do it that way." I just don't think he's that type of a guy. So. I just, it's really hard to predict how he's going to translate to uh, the coaching role. Before we get out of here on this uh, 372nd episode of Unscripted and get into our favorite episode of the week, Freeform Friday, I do want to ask Chris something uh, going back to the National Football League and these very creative ways that some of these guys showed up for training camp this year in the NFL. Um, I thought Eli Rogers of the Steelers showing up in a big rig coming with a full PPP, uh, PPE gear, that's protective gear and, uh, coming with a sledgehammer was pretty cool to Latrobe, Pennsylvania, the, the, uh, training camp home of the Pittsburgh Steelers. What about fullback Anthony Sherman, who shows up at Kansas city chiefs training camp in Clint Boyer. He's a NASCAR driver. He shows up in Clint Boyer's car. That's a pretty creative way, I guess. But is there a better way than Antonio Brown? And this just shows that these guys are getting paid way too damn much money Mm -hmm. that they can do this and rent this out to show up for training camp in Napa, California. But Antonio Brown of the Raiders shows up at Raiders training camp in Napa, California in a hot air balloon. Is there a better way to show up for six six weeks of sweating than showing up for training camp (laughs) in a hot air balloon. (laughs) Well, when someone said that Antonio Brown showed up and uh, something was full of hot air, I thought that was was the whole story, but apparently there was a balloon involved too. But yeah, I I guess this is a new thing. I've never heard of this before. No, I... I, Making fancy entrances to... No, I never... No. I know, you know what, it's funny, they... In politics, when you get... Like, if there's a new federal government, they used to traditionally... All they come in limos, and they probably still do with the uh, Trudeau liberals. But the uh, I remember when Stephen Harper first got into office, 
uh, in 2006, they all uh, he made them all show up in cabs to to signal like we're going to be more fiscally we're responsible. responsible instead okay. of limos. They showed up in so cabs. they show up in Ottawa at Parliament Hill in limos. Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. Yeah, it's like and 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 not that they have like theme music or anything, but they show up like that and and it's fun. And then sometimes there's a surprise. It's almost like wrestling in a way. Like all of a sudden, like someone's music fires up and a surprise guy comes out. <laughs> but it's like sometimes like that. Like what was his name? Uh, oh boy. Uh, David Emerson, that was his name. There was a liberal guy. He had just been elected as a liberal in Vancouver, uh, of all places. And all of a sudden, he comes up in a cab. And they're like, what are you doing here? And, and he was instantly defecting to the conservatives. So you can actually get like wrestling storylines with that. And it turned, it actually worked out good because the only reason he actually ran, he was a businessman in BC and he was a uh, lumber expert and he wanted to get this deal. They needed him to negotiate this deal. He just wanted to get into government to like negotiate this deal and then that's it. So he didn't care if it was liberal or conservative. Right, right. So of course, all the liberals and the, you know, the lefties in Vancouver, you know, are all Started freak- reading too much into oh, it. Oh, they were just freaking out and they're like, I demand a, a, a by-election and all this. And he's just like, guys, like, I'm not even rerunning. Like, I'm just going to do this and I'm, I'm not even running again. So just calm, calm down. And he, and he got the deal done and, and that was it. He just served his one term and that was it. But it's, it's, it's neat to have entrances as a wrestling fan. I appreciate making an entrance more than anybody. Uh, there's actually, a, on Broadway, of all places, there's actually a play. I think it won some awards. They literally made a Broadway play about uh, a wrestler, uh, like an, an independent wrestler who like makes this fancy entrance. And then the name of the play is The Elaborate Entrance of Chad Deity. And I've never seen it, but I, they made an entire musical about some guy who decides to make this insanely elaborate entrance. And uh, so I guess this is going to be a new thing, training camp entrances. While, we, while we've got a few seconds here, can you give us an up, update uh, with the new wrestling league that you were... You were uh, the Sean Cotton's son. Absolutely. absolutely. There's actually a very good. Thanks for bringing that up. So they've got their new show. So they are going to be on TNT. That's their home. Oh, good. That's okay, their home. Good. They're going to have. So a... we'll be able to see that up here. Well, I'm sure we'll see it somehow. somehow. I don't probably sports center TS. I know somebody will pick it up probably. So I don't know. Well, no, it wouldn't be sports center because they've got WWE, but I'm sure we'll get it some way. I'll watch it no matter what I have to do. If I have to go online or whatever, but right. I'll watch it. But yeah, so they've got the time slot on TNT. I believe it'll be a two hour weekly show. It'll be Wednesday nights. They didn't want to compete with raw on Mondays or SmackDown on Tuesdays, right. you know, and then football, you got like every day after that Thursday, Saturday, Thursday. Or Sunday, Monday. So they came up with Wednesdays. Uh, it'll probably just coincide with TNT, the rumored name. They've trademarked this a while ago, I think. It's probably going to be called Wednesday Night Dynamite. It'll play the name of their Wednesday weekly show. Uh, they've had three events so far. Uh, they've all been excellent. I've watched all three of them. Uh, they've got a really, really big event coming up just outside Chicago on uh, August 31st uh, called All Out. And uh, so that should be really good. Uh, they're going to crown their first ever world champion, Chris Jericho against Hangman Page. Uh, the winner of that is the first ever AEW champion. And yeah, it's looking really good so far. I've I've really enjoyed it. I've been appreciating and enjoying wrestling uh, for the first time in a long time. It's been great. Uh, WWE is, is not impressing me at all. Uh, Vince McMahon is just living in the past. He was on a uh, an investor's call the other day saying, our storylines have gotten better recently. We've turned the corner. And it's like, you don't get to judge your own storylines and say that you've turned the corner. And now the stock's going to go up and now your investors should be more confident because you say that your writing's better lately. Like the guy is just drinking his own bathwater more than anybody else that we know. 
and he sucks, and I'm bored of Vince McMahon for sure. But uh, yeah, AEW looking great, great in-ring product. They're really working hard, and it's it's just been a lot of fun to watch, and uh, I've really enjoyed it. So thanks for asking. I'll keep giving you updates. But uh, yeah, AEW Wednesday Night Dynamite is the rumored name, and that will start October 2nd. We've got a run on this 372nd episode of Unscripted with Mike and Chris. We thank you, as always, for joining us and hope that you continue to do so. Freeform Friday is next as Chris goes on to our Twitter page and finds interesting things to talk about. We talk about it, banter about, and move on to the next one. A great way to end the week and always look forward to Freeform Friday here on Unscripted with Mike and Chris. Having said all that, for the executive producer of Unscripted, Mr. Chris Fluke, I'm Mike Jansen. Until next time.